Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Sober Bliss podcast with me, Gail, from Sober Bliss, obviously. And today I'm really, really delighted because I'm speaking to the wonderful Celeste Yvonne. Welcome, Celeste. It's so good to have you here. Thanks, Gail. I am so grateful to be here with you right now. Yeah, we've got lots to talk about. Um, I want to just introduce you briefly if people, you know, they've not seen you before, they don't know who you are. I, um, You're a writer, aren't you? Big on parroting and you've got a book coming out about the mummy wine culture, which is really important. Um, and I think I first discovered you from, well, the lovely hoodie that you're wearing your <laughs> the ultimate mom challenge <laughs> um and you also founder of the sober mom squad as well aren't you I'm a founding host uh, a founding but I'm host. not a founder yes okay okay um and you write on substack I get your substacks every week <laughs> so thank you for sharing all your experiences with us I do think it's so refreshing to read honesty and you write from the heart. You're such a beautiful writer. Thank you. Have you always been a writer, Celeste? No, oh. <laughs> I have not. <laughs> um, I started writing. I've, I've been a marketing and PR professional my entire adult career. Mm. Um but I first started writing for myself when I was pregnant with my second born son. Um, I had just undergone a miscarriage and my, I was now pregnant with uh, what's now my, my uh, seven-year-old, but mm. um, I, I had so much to talk about and so much I wanted to say about being pregnant after loss. Yeah. Um, but there's this rule we have in our society that you don't talk about pregnancy in the first 12 weeks. And so I felt like I couldn't really tell anybody all these things I was thinking and all these fears I had and these hopes and dreams. So I started writing about it, uh, in an anonymous blog mm. and just using it as a way to kind of explore some of these bigger things I was feeling. And maybe I figured I'd find others who could relate or connect with through the yeah. process. And that's how my writing started. It started as an anonymous blog that eventually I wound up adding my pen name to the blog and started publishing for um, some of the bigger parenting uh, online websites um, mm. like Scary Mommy, Today Show, Parents. Um, there was so many. Um, Her View from Home. Yeah, uh, I started guest guest writing for uh, these these sites, and then I started building my own blog and creating social media accounts uh, to tie with them. Mm -hmm. And it was all parenting related. It was about mental load of motherhood. It was less about 
the blissful parts of parenting. Some parents write, I, there's some mothers in my writing groups who do that so well, but I, I have a knack for writing about the hard parts (laughs) (laughs) and, um, that's kind of the, the direction a lot of my writing goes is like the parts that people seem less inclined to talk about and share. Um, I felt a, a greater need to, um, to speak about these things that so many parents were afraid to talk about for fear of being called ungrateful or um, of being a bad mom. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, no, I, I'm going to share about the hard parts because they're real and most of us feel them. And from there, you know, I had a realization in my own life that I was drinking too much um, to deal with a lot of the stress and the struggles um, in my own parenting journey. And um, I secretly quit drinking Um, and I did it, you know, without going to meetings, without telling anybody. It was very it was very fear and shame based, mm. uh, a fear and shame based decision. Um, and it wasn't until I, um, was about a year sober that I shared my journey, um, on my blog and in my social media. And the response was just unbelievably positive. Um, so many people said they could relate or they were proud of me. It was the opposite reaction of what I thought I was going to have, which was people thinking I was less Mm. or I was a bad mom or, you know, all these things, um, these intrusive thoughts that went on through my home, my own head when I was telling people, yeah, I struggled, I struggled to drink. I could not moderate my drinking. So I quit. And my life's better on the other side. It did not feel like this was something. Nobody made me feel like it was something to be ashamed of. If anything, people wanted me to write and speak more about that. So um, I've been sober five years now. And most of my writing now is around my sobriety and being a sober mom. And not necessarily the great parts about being sober. You know, there's still struggles and challenges that come with uh being sober in an alcohol fueled world. And I talk a lot about that too, but, um, my writing and, um, my blogging, um, and you've probably seen it on my Substack too, is, um, it, it evolves, uh, with me as my sober journey evolves and just as life evolves and I get to share it with people in real time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you do because, like you said, it just resonates. It resonates with me so much. Um, and I think that honesty and that truth is so very much needed. Um, from my own experience, I think I drank as a mum to cope and to pretend yeah. that everything was okay. And then I had it all together and that I could do it. And and I wasn't struggling I was struggling um I still struggle with being a mum obviously um but I think the fact that we can talk about it with openness and honesty and you know we're human beings at the end of the day we're not robots yeah 
um it's just so refreshing I think to have somebody to share what you're sharing and to make us realize or to help us realize that actually we're not alone there's nothing wrong with us if we find bedtime boring or bath time just so awful and homework struggles oh I hate homework struggles um and they weren't helped with a glass of wine they weren't at all it just made everything worse really looking back on it now um so what was it like for you then Celeste in the beginning that first year when you were managing parenting without alcohol? Yeah, you know, that was a really hard year for me. And Mm. um, it, I made it harder than it had to be Mm -hmm. by doing it alone. Yeah, you know, I, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would do it a very different way. Um, I would have sought connection and community. And I would have read more um, books about the topic to try to understand and to feel less lonely. And like, this is just a me problem. Um, But, you know, I can't go back and redo it. All I can do is take what I've learned from the experience and help others, you know, who are just starting their journey now, maybe learn from some of my own mistakes. Um, But that first year was very, um, you know, fear and shame driven, lots of secrets, um, so afraid of people knowing what I was doing, as if this is a bad thing. Yeah. Um, I'm so afraid of people finding out that I had a drinking problem. Because, mm-hmm. again, it would make me feel like less of a person. And I was so afraid of people not only finding out that I was trying to quit, but what if I failed? Then people would know I tried to quit and I failed. You know, there was all these underlying um, intrusive thoughts going on in my head. Like, what if, what if, what if, instead of the very positive direct thing that I was doing, which was, I was doing something good for myself. I was doing something good for my family. Um, if I could go back and lean less on the what ifs and more on the what is, Mm. I'm not drinking today. And that is powerful. That is, you know, it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. It doesn't matter what happens a year from now. Um, All I have control over is the fact that I'm not drinking today. And that is something to be very proud of and grateful for. And um, a lot of weight, I think, would have been lifted for me if I could have been more focused on what I'm doing right now on this journey and less on what will people around me think and what if I fail? Yeah, yeah. It's a big um, block, I think, isn't it? What we imagine people will think of us Um because I don't know, I don't understand why, but there's still a lot of stigma and shame around sobriety, even though you and I know and all the other people who are on this journey, that it is actually the best, most loving, kindest thing we can do for ourselves and and our family. It's the whole culture which I want to ask you about um the mummy needs wine culture um 
I fell for it. I thought that I needed to drink in order to cope with everything. And it was the only way. I don't think I was aware at the time that there are other things you can do if you're tired or stressed or Mm -hmm. you just need a break. You know, alcohol is promoted as the go-to, isn't it? It's the thing that will fix everything and make it all okay. Um, And your book really digs into that, doesn't it? So would you mind sharing your experience of the mummy needs wine culture and what we can perhaps do to step out of it a little bit? So, you know, when I think about mommy wine culture, you know, I think about the messaging that implies or directly says we need alcohol to parent our kids Mm. or our kids are the reason we drink. And I think there's some confusion around, you know, what is and what isn't mommy wine culture, because I don't necessarily believe mommy wine culture is about a mom having a glass of wine. Um, And I don't think that is as dangerous a messaging as it is a mother on social media or a Saturday Night Live skit that's implying that wine or alcohol is the only way mothers can survive parenting. Yeah, And I think that those are two very different things. So I I want to kind of get that across because I think some people get stuck on, look, it's a mother drinking wine. That's mommy wine culture. Not necessarily. Mm. It's a mother drinking to cope with parenting and using her kids as the excuse to do so. So I want to say that first, you know, when I was on this early motherhood journey, I was a perpetrator of mommy wine culture. I, I did the memes. I, I Mm. shared the memes. I made the memes, you know, saying, yeah, uh, mommy needs wine, you know, and all the things I thought it was funny. I thought it was justification to drink all the things. And it's only now on the other side of it, where I can look back and see how harmful that message is for anyone who is in that gray space of drinking, maybe kind of having those thoughts in their head saying, is this too much? Mm. I don't feel good. Um, I don't feel like I'm the best parent I can be. Um, and then, you know, the other part where as I'm a, I'm a daughter of an alcoholic, um, to know the implications of a parent drinking to cope and what kind of results that leaves on the whole family, let alone the children. You know, I, I can see it from a very different side now than I was when I was heavily ingrained in the culture. Mm. Um, so, you know, when I look at mommy wine culture now, and I see, you know, some of the things, uh, because it's a very popular conversation to have, people think it's very funny to laugh at all the wine you need to drink to survive parenting or that your kids are the reason you drink. And the way I try to look at it now is coming from where I'm coming from, which is five years sober, daughter of an alcoholic, uh, somebody who did used to drink to cope is where can that kind of thinking take you? Mm. You know, it's, you know, hiding the alcohol in your Yeti cup uh, to get through parenting. Is that a funny Instagram reel? 
or is that harmful messaging that um, in order to survive the harder parts of parenting, we need to drink ethanol? Um, yeah. Ultimately, when you think about alcohol, it it is the greatest form of self-sabotage we can give ourselves as mothers. Mm. Yet we're encouraging it amongst each other. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of the messaging I really want to get us past. And that's something I talk about a lot in the book. Like, what can we be offering mothers who are struggling with whatever it is, the challenges of parenting, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, regular anxiety, the struggles of working in a corporate structure that's not set up for mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, when we laugh it off or suggest people drink wine to cope with it, it feels like we're end capping someone's genuine struggles and needs. And what we could really be doing is offering people support, advocating for legislation changes or advocating uh, at the workplace for structural changes Mm. um, to be more positively um, helpful and uplifting to mothers who are in the trenches. These are all things that could actually change um our motherhood journey for the better yeah and yet we're not doing that we're not supporting other mothers struggling we are laughing essentially laughing off uh their their pain and struggles um Mm. or um simplifying it down to a glass it's not it's nothing a glass of wine can't fix um so I think there's a lot of things, positive ways we can help mothers and support them on this journey. And mommy wine culture is not it. (laughs) And it will never be it. No, no, you're right. It won't be. Um, So what would you, you know, advise a mom to do if she's struggling right now, if she's had enough of, you know, the jokes and the funny things that, you know, pop up on her Instagram feed um how can she begin to help herself yeah I think anyone who's questioning their drinking or is wondering how much alcohol is helping them versus hurting them Mm -hmm. um it's worth having the conversation with themselves and getting curious and exploring alternatives you know if you are someone who has a history and not even of heavy drinking, but of even occasional drinking, uh, you already know where that leads. And it's worth exploring a different uh, path. Mm. Uh, So whether that be taking a 30-day break or trying um, a 30-day alcohol-free experience, it's worth trying that because at the end of the day drinking is not going to be the fix because you have already seen that it's not the fixed Mm. so it's worth exploring a different alternative and it kind of goes against mainstream thinking that alcohol is just part of our lives and I'm hoping this is a change in conversation we can have as a society that alcohol isn't just, um, it doesn't have to just be part of everything we do. 
uh, and it's worth seeing what else is out there. And if you have not tried 30 or 60 days without alcohol, that's a great place to start. Um, it will not only detox your body, mm. um, but it will reframe your mindset. It will reset your dopamine levels. It does so many things behind the scenes that um, will help you kind of give a more clear headed idea of what you want to do and see moving forward. You know, it's funny because when I look back or when I, I read about all the the negative implications of the alcohol, you know, things that nobody ever talks about when they're advising moms to drink wine, which is um, alcohol cre- it causes increased anxiety. Um, it's a depressant. It reduces our energy levels. It causes awful hangovers and headaches and, um, it also puts us in a precarious situation when we are in charge of raising little children. Yeah. Um, these are all cons, you know, when you are assessing whether alcohol is actually beneficial in your life. Um, but we don't talk about it very much. Um, and when somebody, when a mom is struggling with things that she's going through or she's struggling with anxiety or depression, it's very rare that um, you hear a doctor or even friends say, would you consider or how about trying abstaining from alcohol? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think about my own motherhood journey before I was ready to even explore sobriety. Uh, and I, you know, I was diagnosed with postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and never once did it occur to me to take alcohol off the table. Um, not only yeah. does alcohol interfere with your antidepressant medications, but it is messing with your, your brain and mm. your <laughs> dopamine levels. Um, yeah in a way that is already so dangerous when you are a new mom. Um, So the fact that we don't question um, or um, even consider uh, trying a sober experiment, Mm -hmm. taking some time off really speaks to the pressure. And I think the, the pull alcohol has on our culture at this day and time, and and hopefully something that we can shift away from in the future. Yeah, yeah. It's just been so normalized, hasn't it? Like you said, it's often the last thing that we would even think about doing in order to sleep better or lose weight or get a bit more energy or focus. We think we try all the things first and then as a last resort, often sometimes it's, oh, well, maybe I could try not drinking when really it should be the first thing that we should try. Um, But often it's, you know, like you said, it just goes against everything that's out there. I remember when I was pregnant with my first son and the midwife said that it would be a good idea to have half a pint of Guinness every day for the iron. (laughs) It's like, no, not at all. There's other ways to get iron. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. It's like drinking red wine for the heart benefits when there's actually no benefit at all. Um, So, yes, I think it's a very complicated situation. Um, 
but also I do believe that it's a very personal choice as well um and if we as individuals can find a way for ourselves then we can do so much more for as you said other mums who might be struggling so what was the thing or things that really helped you and maybe continue to help you stay in your lane and true to yourself and on your path and Mm -hmm. living alcohol free in a way that feels good even when times are difficult yeah I think in once I realized um that there is kind of a whole community and sober world uh, available and accessible to me um, online, uh, it became a significant part of my sober journey, which was uh, normalizing it Um, Mm -hmm. just through my own social media feeds, through the books I was reading. Um, So it didn't feel so isolating uh, when you you know, pop on your Instagram and have 50% of the people you're following are sober accounts. You know, it feels much more like you're part of a community and you're part of a bigger um, space. Yeah. Um, so things like that could have a really positive influence. Um, having our own community, you know, to, to feel like we can share safely, and have these uh, very vulnerable conversations is also another important step where whether people find it through AA or a non-AA recovery group, um, they are available, widely available now um, and accessible to people uh, virtually. Um, So that's something I always encourage people because it wasn't always this way. You know, pre-pandemic, to find a recovery space that was available online was, I didn't, I wasn't aware of any, mm. um, but now, you know, I can hop onto a recovery meeting three or four times a day if I wanted to. And yeah. I think in early sobriety, that is something worth considering. Um, and I think, you know, now that I'm in longer term recovery, um, my need for connection and, um, I'm a sober connection kind of ebbs and flows, mm-hmm. but, um, in the earlier days, it really did feel like a, like, it's all you think about. It's, it's all you're connecting yeah. with. You know, they, they talk about, you know, have uh, attending meetings every day, whatnot. And I think it can feel really overwhelming for somebody in the early early spaces mm-hmm. of their own recovery. But what I try to remind people is um, it's not always going to feel this way. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my friend, Emily Paulson, who's the founder of sober mom squads always says, it's like when you first learn how to drive a car, you know, you're in the car, you're anxious, you're thinking about all the rules you're obsessing. And now when she or anyone gets in a car after years of experience, Sometimes you you don't even remember the car ride because uh, it, mm. it it comes so um, it it's just almost like background noise. I mean it, it all just it all just fits in the bigger picture of our lives, and it it doesn't feel so intense. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I try to remind people in early sobriety that it can feel all consuming right now. And it is kind of because it's something you've got to work through mm-hmm. uh, with some immediacy. Um, but once you get some, some sober footing, um, it won't always feel so intense. It won't always feel so dire. Um, and you can kind of relax into it, um, in the best way. Mm. Yeah, I know what you mean. The, the wine o'clock ritual of, while well, I used to make tea, eat something, wash the dishes, take the dog for a walk. And that was, yeah. I had to remind myself, that's what I did now, instead of, you know, cracking open a beer. Um, when I had a craving, it's consciously thinking, oh, well, what can I do about it? Or if I was antsy or having big feelings, it was remembering that there was another way and to choose the other way first and then choose again and keep choosing yeah. until you got a handle on it. Um, but you're right. It's, it's not like that forever. Um, you know, I'm five years alcohol free as well. And I don't think about having to remember to wash the dishes after dinner instead of having a beer. It's just yeah. what I do now. Um, and I don't really think about alcohol anymore. Um, I said to one of my clients the other day that for me, alcohol is a bit like football. I know it exists in the world, but <laughs> it doesn't enter my sphere, if you like. Absolutely. Um, so it is important, I think, that people do realize that what they're going through in the early days, um, it's not like that forever. Yeah. I mean, you won't always feel like you're laying on a bed of nails. Exactly. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is one of the best things about being sober, Celeste, from a personal and parenting point of view, do you think? Uh, being intentional is my greatest joy that comes from my sobriety, which is something that I could not say when I was actively drinking and I mostly mean it around being a parent. Um, I think one of the the main reasons I, I quit drinking ultimately was because I knew um, I couldn't be intentional with my time around mm. my children. And I knew I would re- regret that for the rest of my life. And yeah. now I am intentional with my time with my children. I, I can be present with them um, and meet their needs, but not just meet them, recognize their needs, which was something Mm. I couldn't even um, 100% do when um, I was under the influence of just one or two glasses of wine Um, to be able to, um, you know, I'm, I'm a deeply feeling person, a highly Mm. sensitive person. And I think for a lot of reasons, that's what drew me to alcohol. Um, But now with that, I recognize and see when my children need me, when my children are struggling. uh, And these are all things that I, I can see and I can take time to um, work through with them Mm. in a way that I could never do um, under the influence of, um, of alcohol. Uh, So that's probably my favorite a positive experience that comes from long-term or short-term sobriety. Mm. Um, And 
I could only get here um, by being alcohol free. It's not even something I would have been able to find through moderate drinking. I I have to be alcohol free to be the kind of mom I want to be for my children. Yeah. Yeah. And that's my greatest gift and reward in sobriety. And that Mm -hmm. is something that in 20, 30, 40 years, um, I will be so thankful for. Yeah. Um, and I can look back on and say, it's perhaps the greatest gift I could have given my children. And again, this is speaking as someone who grew up, um, with a, a parent in addiction. So I, I know, I know the direction that goes. That's not the direction I want to go with my own children. Yeah. Yeah. And the greatest gift that you can give yourself as well, I think. Yeah. I mean, it's not like alcohol was doing me any favors as a mother, you Mm -hmm. know, it was, it it was draining me of energy. It was draining me of any opportunity to give myself true self-care. My, my alone time um, was dedicated to numbing out, like how, how mm. positive and um, beneficial is that in the long term? Mm. Uh, it feels good for a couple minutes and then you uh, pay the consequences the next day times 10. Yeah. Um, so when you weigh the pros and cons of the impact alcohol is having on your life, you have to keep in mind um, so many not just short-term consequences, but long-term consequences. And for what, you know, for a short buzz, mm. um, that gave me so much clarity. And that's only clarity you can find when you've had a couple um, days or weeks of sobriety under your belt. Yeah. Um, I, it's really hard to kind of see the forest from the trees when you're s- still drinking regularly. Mm. So I feel like even if you are not sure what your long-term relationship with alcohol is going to be, even just offering yourself that opportunity to take a break is such a gift for you to see the forest from the trees and something you need to do for yourself to give yourself that full opportunity to understand um, what the benefits are from drinking and what the consequences are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say go into it maybe with an openness, with a willingness just to try and experiment and see how it affects you. Try not to listen to you know your friends or what other people around you are thinking or doing or saying because at the end yeah. of the day, it's, it's a very personal journey isn't it even though we might have you know great support and a community it we're the ones who are doing it Mm -hmm. at the end of the day um and you're so right we can't really know what it's going to be like until we give it a go my own experience I was really terrified of not drinking so much so that I kept putting it off because I was imagining oh, but what do people do at the weekend if they don't drink? Or how will I manage Friday night or homework? And it wasn't until I had a full day without drinking. I was like, oh, this is not what I thought it was going to be like. Um, So it's definitely worth just giving it a go. I would agree with that. Yeah, 
it's worth it. It's mm. worth giving it a go. I don't, you'll never regret a day you don't drink. And yeah. I, I say that um, for anyone who's wanting to quit drinking long-term or who wants to even just take the day off from drinking, like you'll never regret it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before we go, just if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about your book when it's due out, how we can get it and um, where else we can find you and read your amazing writing. Thank you. Um, yeah, my book is uh, called It's Not About the Wine, The Loaded Truth Behind Mommy Wine Culture. And it comes out September 12th of this year. And it's available anywhere books are sold uh, for pre-order right now. Okay. Um, and it's a lot about, uh, you know, some of the things we talked about today, um, mommy wine culture, why it's dangerous. Um, I weave in a lot about my own story and, um, mm. and then a whole lot about the, the early parts of sobriety and, um, making friends and finding mm. community and, um, how to, uh, work with a, a husband who was still drinking, you know, all these, all these things that you maybe don't think about until you're there. Um, and, um, so that is, is a bit about it, but also I, I I spend a lot of time talking about the mental load of motherhood, you know, the, Mm. the emotional labor, um, that goes into parenting, uh, that often falls on the, the mother in the family and, um, how sometimes it can feel like the the cards are stacked against us and how to um, turn that around, mm-hmm. um, how to find, how to, how to lift the load, how to find peace in motherhood, how to find joy in motherhood um, and um, how to do it without resorting to, you know, wine every night. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, in the meantime, yeah, you can pre-order my book now, um, but you can also find me. I, I write every week on Substack um, under the Ultimate Mom Challenge. Yeah. And um, those writings are new every week and it's free to subscribe. Um, and I'm also on social media, uh, Facebook and Instagram under the Ultimate Mom Challenge as well. Okay, perfect. We'll put all of those links um, in the show notes. Um, right. I just read your Substack today. It was so oh. beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and yeah, I would recommend it to anybody who doesn't know who you are to sign up for the for the weekly writings. Um, thank, thank you, you yeah. Celeste. It's been such a joy to talk to you today. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Thank you for um, for reaching out and um, taking this time to uh to talk about you know what i i believe is such an important topic and something Mm -hmm. that we do need to see um societal change around because um it mommy wine culture certainly sucked me in and it's still sucking so many um mothers who are vulnerable and feeling lost um and I, i i want to turn that around i hope we can get there Yeah, we can, for sure, for sure. Thank you.